Welcome to the C3 Calgary podcast. Thanks for joining us today for an inspiring message from our East Village location. We're so grateful that you're a part of our family and we would love to invite you to one of our services. To find locations, times, and more information about our church, visit our website at myc3church.ca or find us on Instagram. Thanks a lot to the worship team. Paul, that's really good. So, um, I was uh, I was introduced as the MythBuster last week. I guess that's what I was described as. I love the show; it's awesome. Um, before I get going, I just I find it so amazing the kind of God encounters you can have in different places. And I was just talking with uh, I was just talking with Cal before the service began, and uh, I I gave my heart to Jesus when I was about six, but um, went on this wild journey not as wild as some people I know but I went on a journey and <laughs> I wasn't you know I wasn't hardcore like some people in the crowd but Pastor Morn <laughs> but uh, but uh, but God got a hold of my life again when I was about fifteen. And I didn't know what to do with myself. I just wanted to just find people that were just going hard for Jesus and just and were worshiping and, and could tell me what it meant to pray. How do you pray? I, no one could tell me how to pray. I, said, I go to people in my youth group, how do you pray? And they're like, you, you just pray. I was like, no, no, but what, is this, what does this mean? How does this work? And, uh, and so I went straight to the, uh, the young adults in my church. And one of the ringleaders in the young adults was a guy named Tiny, who, uh, Cal, led to the Lord in a gym in Swift Current. It was insane. Yeah, yeah. There's like 12 or 13 people got saved in the gym. He, he, he was one of them. He's like 300 plus pounds, shaped like a bullet. And, and just huge, huge guy. But he loved Jesus. He really loved Jesus. And so he was in that circle of guys that taught me what it meant to pray, taught me what it meant to seek Jesus and to, uh, and to see God move. It was unbelievable. And uh, Cal, uh, Cal, dude. Uh, sir, I shouldn't call you dude. I should call you sir. Uh, I, I just, I'll call you, how about just Cal? Um, that's just incredible. And I just, I just bless you back for the influences that you were in Swift Current when you were there at the Trailview Alliance Church on staff there. Um, that blessed me and a number of other people. And it reverberates. It reverberates. And this is where we meet. Decades later, literally decades later. So I just, in Jesus' name, I don't know what God has for you next, but God has something for you next. In Jesus' name. There's something for you. We go, the Bible says to go from glory to glory. We go from strength to strength. There is no end. If you breathe, if you're alive, you, you are purposeful. And God has a purpose for you. And there is a purpose that I just, yeah, there's this purpose all over you, sir. So, uh, yeah, bless you. Bless you. Um, I'm supposed to break a particular myth about relationships th tonight uh, to do with something very specific, which may not necessarily apply to everyone here in the room, but I want to take you to a place where it does apply to everyone here in the room. By the time I'm done, uh, <laughs> Jesus, Jesus, <laughs> oh, it's just a slide. Uh, uh, by the time we're done here, I want us to walk with a sense of Fearlessness, fearlessness, forward moving, and I want us to be focused. And I love alliteration. 
The, and I say that because I need to preface it because the myth I'm supposed to bust is the question, is there only one soulmate, perfect match, or ideal partner? This is a big deal. This is a big, it's an easy one. It's an easy one. Oh, five minutes. Um, and it's really strange how this came up because uh, it came up at a funeral like they do. I was, I was talking with Pastor Stephen at a funeral that we were in the middle of arranging a few weeks ago. And we had people come from all over Saskatchewan. I had, uh, I had uh, a teacher from my old Bible college come from Eston. And, uh, and I hadn't seen him in decades. Oh, my gosh, I'm old. I haven't seen him in decades. Son of a gun. And uh, I went up to him, and I just said, hey, I want to thank you so much for how you spoke into my life. And he's another guy that prayed with me and talked with me. And, uh, and I told Stephen why it was so significant to me. Because one day in Bible school, I, uh, uh, I broke up with a girl. Uh, whew, ooh, it just got heavy in here. Um, I broke up with a girl. I, I'm the one that did the breaking up. I did it as responsibly and as lovingly as I could. And, and a few months later, I was wondering, was that a good idea? And right after I asked that question, I'm working on an essay in the basement of dorm three. And um, my best friend walks in. And he says, Tim, I have something to tell you. And I'm like, what? He's like, your, your friend, yeah. She's going out with somebody else. And I, so I was quite emotionally shut down at this point in my life. I was, I'd been through a lot of stuff as a, as a kid. My parents divorced when I was eight. I, my emotions were like, I felt them about that much. I was fairly numb for the most part. And, uh, and when he told me that, all of a sudden, I could, I could literally feel the ground drop out from underneath me. And I just, I, I just, I felt, but I couldn't, I just, I was overwhelmed by what I was feeling. It just, it just shook me to my core. I stopped eating for like uh, days. And it just, it just messed me right up. And I was like, what did I, what did I do? What did I just do? Did I just, and I asked these questions right here. Did I just miss the person that God had for me? Did I just miss my ideal soulmate? Uh, and I was so shook up, I ran to my theology teacher the guy that came to the funeral a few weeks ago, I ran to him when I was 19. And I said, uh, I need to know right now, did, is there only one person? Because if there is, I just blew it. <laughs> and and, he, and he's, yeah, first, before I said that, before I preface it with me, he's like, are, are you asking about yourself or someone else? I'm asking about myself. <laughs> he's like, oh, my. Um, I don't even remember what he said. I just remember how he said it. I, rem I, I wish I could remember the answer because it would have been genius. He was, he's sharp as a tack. But um, he prayed with me and he cried with me. And uh, I walked away with hope. I didn't have an answer, but I had hope. And that's, gosh, when you feel like the fluid has dropped out, hope is enough. To just hope you're going to make it till tomorrow. It was, it was really, really good. And so I have, I have deep sympathy for anyone that is asking this question. Is there only one soulmate? Is there only one perfect person for me? Because I felt, I felt the emotional impact of, of the what if that's, what if I missed it? So I just want to explore that a little bit. Uh, but I also want to redirect that question as we talk about it. Because there are some things that, 
need to be in line for that question to be faced. Uh, after that, here's, here's a quick synopsis of what happened after that. I recovered. Um, we never got back together again. And um, I saw Melissa uh, in my next year of Bible school, and I was just like, that, that girl's name is Melissa. And that's, that's, all, that's all it was. And then the next, then the next summer, um, we worked on a, a summer program with kids uh, doing street work, uh, street uh, evangelism, doing drop-in centers, uh, doing drama on the streets. I, I'm not going to get into that. Uh, don't ask me to do drama anymore. And, and she was on another team, and we had to do, we were in, now we were leaders together of different groups. We were in the same room talking as leaders together. And I remember talking to my youth pastor. It's like, Wendell, uh, this Melissa's kind of cool. She's kind of, she's kind of neat. And, and, that's it. And, and Wendell just said, well, it's street invaders. You can't do anything here. It's, you're busy. And I was like, oh, fair enough. Okay. All right. And um, the next summer, I knew I wanted to plant churches. And so I, I moved to Calgary and got a, got a job as a youth worker in a church in the south end of Calgary that was planting churches. And I wanted to see how they did it. And um, Melissa was on another group, a team called Life Force. And she was part of a team that was going to come to the south end of Calgary to work in a church that was planting churches. And um, I drove up to Aston because that's where they were being trained. And I was there just for the kind of the, the service at the end of all the training. You get everybody together. It's a big party. It was great. And I just drove to Aston because I was single and I could. And... Uh, as I'm there in Eston, a guy comes up and says, hey, uh, there's this girl who's coming back to Calgary. She's, she's going to be in a church that's working with church planting. And could you give her a ride back? And I was like, okay, who is it? He's like, it's Melissa. I was like, oh, oh my gosh. I, and it's like this girl in my mind, I, I kind of put her off to the side. I was like, forget it, I'm busy. I'm, I'm thinking about planting churches. And then, and then all the way back from Aston for like five hours, I'm just driving and she's sleeping in the passenger seat. And I'm just like, trying not to be creepy. And I'm just like, what, Jesus, what is, what is that? What is this? I don't know what's happening. And, and she didn't have a car, which is another amazing thing because I had a Honda Civic. Hey! hey. Who doesn't need an 85 Honda Civic? Um, the muffler fell out one day when I was driving her around. You just heard this punk, and then I grabbed it and I threw it in the trunk, and we just kept on driving. But, um, so what am I getting at, Tim? Am I saying that there is only one few? No, I'm not saying that with that story. Um, what am I saying? I'm saying three things. Three things with this story. First of all, never meet someone at the airport. <laughs> oh, cryptic guru, Tim, what did you just say? Never meet anyone at the airport. What are you saying when you say that? Um, Danny Silk, uh, who does a great uh, class on marriage relationships, likens the idea that uh, sometimes we go through life and you're, you get to an airport. And there's so many people, you can go to the airport, you can watch people, you can see what's going on. And, and if you notice someone at the airport, you can decide right then and there. I've got a ticket going in this direction, uh, but there's this really cute person who's going that direction. Um, am I willing to put down my ticket and to get on the same plane as her and go in a completely different direction in life? 
Um, this is a challenge for some people. This is a really big deal. Um, have you decided on the direction for your life before you've decided on the person you're going to be going with? Priorities are so, so important. And so I, I want to make this applicable to everybody here. And, and this being that we need to be focused in what we're doing. We need to be following a North Star. We need to have our values in place and our number one relationship set so that everything else is defined and decided by that. Right? Um, if I go to, and we'll look at maybe Matthew 6 and 33 before that. So just, sorry, I got my Bible out here. You got it there? Matthew 6, 33, it's fairly well known. It says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. The whole passage talks about God knowing what you need before you even ask him. God is so sensitive and so familiar with you. He created you. His desire is not to withhold from you, but for you to prioritize what is most important in your life. This is the thing. If we treat God, if we treat Christ as a north star, walking towards him, embracing the values and the giftings that he's placed into you, if you look at that, like I'm looking at this projector, if I just walk towards that, um, I've got one straight path that I go in. There's, there's very little wandering. I don't have to really care about the shoulders on the sides of the road because I'm just like going straight. If, if two people are heading towards a North Star, if two hikers, two explorers are heading towards a North Star, eventually they're going to meet. You're going to run into someone that's heading towards the same star that you are focused on. These are the people that you want to talk to. These are the people you want to connect with, okay? What are the values you have here? What are the values that are shared within East Village here? We see about community. I was, I was attracted to East Village uh, because of its community. I was attracted to uh, C3 Calgary West because of its community, because my, a few friends came there first. I showed up, and I loved the community. It wasn't about just meetings. It was about knowing people. And it was about people knowing Christ before anything else. It was a really big deal. So if these are the type of things that you value. Be in places where they value those things as well. This is a really big deal. If you meet someone, if you happen to to meet someone that does not share the same values as you. This is going a different direction. If you go to the airport and, and one person is like, well, I'm going off to Naval Academy. I'm going to learn how to drive subs. And the other is like, oh, I'm going off to uh, Olds. I'm going to learn how to ranch. They could, they could get married. But somebody's going to have to give up something. Somebody's going to have to give up a career. And if you know that that was your calling, this is what you're going to wonder about for the rest of your life. Wow. These kinds of things. I gave, I gave up this for you. I, then you better really make that work. You've got to really commit to that if that's what it is, just so you know. Follow that North Star. Don't meet people at the airport. Don't meet people at the airport. The second thing, don't fear the relationship desert. Okay? Don't fear deserts. Don't fear deserts. Don't fear dry places. Don't fear moments or seasons of isolation. Uh, because they are seasons. They are seasons. Right? And know how to manage a season of isolation or a season of aloneness when you're in it. Um, deserts are amazing places. 
I've, I've spent, I'm from Swift Current. Right? We already established that. It's, it's semi-arid there. And um, I've, I've gotten on, I've asked Melissa, she dropped me off. I went tenting for three days on my own with nothing but Ichiban and, uh, and a tent and a Bible and a journal. And I just wanted to get in the desert because there's nothing else to distract you. And, and I just wanted to hear from God. And it just, it just did such a process on my heart, just getting away, getting in the desert, getting alone. I, I've joked about it. I would love to be a monk if I wasn't married. Most of us rolls your eyes. It's highly unlikely because, because PlayStations exist. And, and I don't know if I could do it now. But don't, don't fear the desert. Because you'll, it, it, some people have a hard time with silence. Some people have a hard time with the quiet because, um, well, ask yourself, why is that? Are you okay being alone with your own thoughts? Are you okay being alone with your own thoughts? Um, do you have an identity that demands that someone else, that, that you have a boyfriend, that you have a girlfriend, that you have a significant other? Do you demand that? Do you, does your hearts cry for that? That may be a hunger that needs to get questioned right? That's not just instinctual. We're not just animals with instinct. We're not just, we're not just pulled at the whims of our emotions. We can be if we allow them. But we can also stop and ask the question, God, why? Why is that? Why does it feel like this? Why do I hate the silence? Why do I hate being alone in a room? Why is that? Ask the question out loud. See what God says. Use it as a chance to listen. God speaks in the desert. There's a verse that says, Hosea, 2 and 14, it says, therefore, this is, this is God speaking to Israel. He says, therefore, behold, I will allure her and bring her into the wilderness and speak tenderly to her. There are some places that God will actually orchestrate, not out of pain or destruction, but so that you can hear him. I went through times in my life before I was married of, of deep loneliness and sadness where I moved to Calgary, I was alone, I was living downtown, and I, I grew up in, again, Swift Current, 17,000 people. I think there's that many in the building that I was, I was living in at the point. And um, I felt unbelievably alone. Amaz like, I just never felt that kind of isolation before. I was away from my roots, from my, from my childhood friends. And God did uh, so many, God did so much, so much reforming in my life during that time. So many times I didn't get what I want. So many times I didn't get to hang out with the people I needed to hang out with. I didn't get the feedback that I was looking for. And God caused me to, to really just draw upon him when no one else was there. And God redeems times like this. If you're feeling alone, if you're feeling isolated, ask God what he wants to say. Ask God what he wants to say. We believe that God speaks. Right? We believe that Christ speaks. He is, he is the word made flesh. And God speaks to us. Um, I, was, I was in a time in my life uh, when I was very sick of church when I was 15. I was very tired of it. And I just said, God, I can't live like this anymore. I'm not even sure if you're real. And I just said, God, if you're real, you need to show me. That's a beautiful agnostic prayer to say. God, if you're real, please show me. You need to hear from someone from someone that, that can't convince you that God is real. You need to hear from God himself. God will allure you and bring you into the wilderness and speak tenderly to you. Um, I said this many times, that I'm, I'm a big fan of journaling. 
I'm a big fan of uh, when you're alone and you can't stand to be alone because you can't stand the thoughts that you think, to write them down. Write down the noisiest, angriest monster in your head and put a name to it. Write it down and then look at it and ask yourself if it's true. Take it to someone you trust. I mean, go get counseling if you need to, but, but this is why I read the Bible is I, I take the lies that are in my head, I take the destructive thoughts that cause me to not want to be alone with my thinking. I write them down, and I look at them, and I like, it's like looking at that monster, it's always just in the shadows or hiding under the bed. You've just, you, you move the bed, you just look straight at it, and it's like, is this thing, is this thing real? Do I need to deal with this? What is the opposite truth to this thing that I'm facing right now, right? We begin to discipline ourselves. We don't, we can have new thoughts. We can have new thoughts. That is why we read the word right? Uh, we're in a beautiful discipline, even as leadership in our church. We go through the Bible once a year. We sell once in a year Bible, one a year Bible, once in a year Bibles. Those are easy. <laughs> one a year, one year Bibles. There you go. And uh, once a day Bibles. And uh, it is just great. It is so good. You just go through the thing. Hey, is there something that jumped out? Write it down. I keep everything in my Evernote. I'm actually using my phone most of the time with the Bible app on it, going through uh, English Standard Version. So good this year. So good. But you wash your mind in the Word. There's another reality than the one that you're thinking right now. And your reality may be wrong. It may be wrong. You may need to question it. Right? There may be something that God is saying. Maybe something needs replacing. Um, there is something so important that when you're going through isolated, lonely times, um, if it's to do with, with um, you're not going out with somebody, you're not dating, that doesn't mean you have to avoid everybody. In fact, it's most important, and I see this pastorally, that people uh, actually withdraw when they're hurt. They're like a wounded dog. Dogs, when they're hurt, I've seen them like crawl under sheds and die. You know, they crawl under the deck, and they just like, well, I guess this is my time. I'm just going to curl up and die. And when you're wounded, you just want to pull back. Most people, oh, this is so weird. You, most people, if they're choking, where do they die? In the bathroom. Yeah, it's like they're, they're choking, and they say, excuse me, and they go to the bathroom, and, then, and, and they're alone, because it's embarrassing. Uh, when you're hurt, when you're wounded, when you're exposed, your nerves are raw, you feel very obviously in pain to the people around you, don't disappear. Okay, come to church. Come to East Village. Come to their come to their uh, to their dinner parties. My goodness, come to a dinner party for pity's sake, and just eat some flipping food and sit down with somebody and just begin to talk. Just begin to talk. All right, just be there. I'm an introvert saying that. Just show up. Just show up. Okay. Um, yeah, enough about, enough about the desert. But this is awesome. Um, Psalm 23. Psalm 23 is super important. Because the third thing I would want to say, the third phrase I'd want to say is, uh, check your core. Check your core. Check what is at the very core of your life. What is at the very center of your life. I'm going to read out all of Psalm 23 here. This is not a long thing. It says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. 
Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I see three locations mentioned in this psalm very quickly. I see at the very beginning, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. This is that picture of the desert, of just sitting with him. And here there's, there's water. And God causes actually rivers to flow in the wilderness. You see this over and over as the Israelites are leaving Egypt, that, you know, they're hungry, they're starving, they're thirsty, and like our, our daughters are, 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 are thirsty, our, our cattle are dying, or they're about to die. We need water, and God would supply it miraculously. Yeah. To sit with God and just to be with him, to know him, is, is the core of my existence. It is the very core of it. To be with him and to enjoy him is the most important thing to me. The second place is the valley of the shadow of death. It says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. This is following him, going with him where he goes. And he will walk through valleys that look like death. You'll walk through isolated, lonely times. Whether it's about your, you're wondering who you should date or if you lost them, or just any other circumstance in your life, you're going to go through a shadow of death. And God is the one that takes you through it. He's the one that says, no, we don't stop here. We don't camp out in this place. No, we keep walking, Tim. We keep walking. We go through this. Follow me. It's after, it's after that that he says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. He knew that God's comfort after he walked through a place like that. No one knows comfort until they need to be comforted. If you've never been comforted, um, ask God. I, I do trust that God comforts you when we turn to him, when we look at him. And this leads us into the last point, which is you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And this is the most graphic and intense part of the whole psalm. This is David writing this. This is a, a boy who, um, well, as a boy, he was a shepherd. As a man, he killed giants and he ruled countries. And it says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. If you look at any, any, say, medieval wartime, you look at, watch Lord of the Rings, the final battles, you look at Braveheart, you look at Gladiator, which is the most awesome medieval battle. Is there any more? This might be it. Okay, all right, cool. But you have to imagine that God is creating a feast for you in the most unlikely places. He's creating a feast for you on a battlefield. He's creating a feast for you uh, not, with, not with combatants gone, but he's creating a feast for you while people look at you trying to feast on you. He's creating feasts for us. So our job at this point, and I was trying to picture this. I'm very, I'm very image-oriented. I'm trying to think, what would it look like? I mean, I'm, I'm sitting at a table. God is, God is, 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 he's set a table. He's like, Tim, I want you to sit down. We're going to eat together. I was like, it's, it's, uh, there's a battle. And, and he's just like, just, just sit down. We're going to enjoy this right now. And he's like, okay, hey, Tim, uh, you're not enjoying my presence. Just look at me. Look at me. Okay, let's just sit down and enjoy this. All right? All right. And you've got these mad power-hungry orcs, like, lining up. They're coming over, the, they're charging over the hill about a kilometer back. You've got the archers setting up. You've got the catapults and the ballistas, and they're all, like, getting their stuff in gear. And, and you're just like, oh, okay. And God's like, you want coffee? And I was like, yes. And he's like, 
do you like AeroPress? I'm like, I love AeroPress. <laughs> and he's like, okay. He's like, Tim, I gotta show you how I do it. So it's like a finer ground that you put in a, uh, in a normal machine. And um, uh, do you do upside down or right? I'm like, right side up. It's like, okay, we'll do right side up. <laughs> and uh, great, good. You, you want anything in it? I was like, uh, butter and coconut oil. I was like, yeah, okay, let's do that. Okay, blend it. Awesome. And, and, and we just enjoy it. And as he's like handing me the cup, you know, all of a sudden, arrow, shook, and you could just hear it, like, just kind of nick the shirt. And he's just like, eyes on me, boy. And I was like, okay, all right, all right, this is good, this is good. You want anything else? You want it? Okay, good. Shook, just a little draft, just blowing the coffee, you don't need to, you just hold it out. And arrow blows by, and you're just like, this is good. And after he's just like, quality time. I just need quality time. I don't care where it is, this is quality time with us right now. Feast with me, Tim. Feast with me. There is a feast that God prepares for you. There is a feast that God prepares for you. And then when the feasting is done, God just says, okay, well, it's time. You ready? He's like, yeah. You just push back from the chair. God pulls out his two-handed. I pull out my two off the back. And, and you just go for it. Now, there's a time to really run with God and to fight with him. There's a time to also feast with him and just rest and eat with him. And if you can trust that God is that kind of God, then you don't have to worry about who is supposed to be there for you, right? I can be there for my wife now, Melissa. We got married, actually. Heads up. That's how the story ended. Um, but I can be there for her because I know that God feasts with me. That's the reason I can love my wife. My job as both a pastor and a husband and as a believer is to point myself to Christ and to point other people to Christ. That is my job. Those are the most important things that we can do, is to constantly remind myself to follow after Christ and point others to him as well. So can you make this work? First of all, is there one specific person? I'm going to flat out just say, ask um, Adam and Eve. Ask Adam and Eve. Is there only one soulmate for you? First of all, there's only two people on the planet when they're, when they're made, when they're created, Adam and Eve. Was it idyllic? No. No. At one point, um, as Eve is deceived, she eats the, the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and she gives it to Adam. Together, they have messed up. They have messed up. And at that point, Adam's argument to God is, this woman you gave me. I was like, well, there's, no other, there's nobody else. And even at that point, in the most idyllic, God, did you make anyone else for me? No, you just made Eve. Uh, uh, You've got to make it work at that point. Um, we're finished here now. Um, is there only one person for you? First of all, do you know Christ is for you? I think that's a more, a more important question, right? Are you going in, have you chosen the direction for your life? Do you know what that is? Do you need to ask God? Do you need to spend some, some, some time with God just asking like, where are you taking me? Are you getting in a community like this where you can engage with your giftings and your passions, where you can be honest and open? Practice being honest and open with people in a community first. Let them feel the weight of your presence. Let them feel the footprint that you leave when you're in a room and not just, not just hold in and, and not show up. If you can show up here, you're going to know what it's like to be there for your, your wife or your husband. And they're going to know who you are and you're going to know who they are. All right. Um, that's all I have to share right now. I hope that helped you a little bit. But 
let me just pray for you. And if this is something that you're wrestling with, whether it's about, is there only one for me? Uh, we'll pray for you up here. We've got a prayer team. We'd love to pray for you. Uh, more importantly, I would like to know, is Jesus at the core of your life? Have you checked the core of your life? Is Jesus there? You need a, you need a, a fixed point in your life, a north star that does not shift or shake, someone that doesn't get moody and will walk out on you. You need someone that will not leave the core of your heart if you place them there. Jesus is that person, right? So first and foremost, I want to know if you know Jesus in your life. Everything else will fall into place after that, or at least will begin to take you on the journey towards that, right? So if you don't know Jesus, I just want to pray with you right now. Maybe we could all just close our eyes for a second. And whether it's because of issues with loneliness and isolation, whether it's with a sense of aimlessness in your life, whether it's with a sense of depression and loss and hopelessness, I just want to uh, point you to Jesus right now. And this is a very simple prayer that you can pray with me. And it just, it goes like this. Jesus, I need you. I'm sorry you're not at the center of my life. Please come and sit in the middle of my life. Take charge. Speak to me. I give you everything. I receive your love. I receive your forgiveness. I receive your hope. Amen. All right. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, uh, I would love to talk to you. Thanks for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe to our podcast and check out our C3 Calgary live stream on YouTube. If this message resonated with you and you'd like to give to our church, you can do so on our website at myc3church.ca. See you next week.